0: Hello again and welcome to the Borderline Genius Podcast. My name is Chet Sandberg.
1: And I'm Nora McKinney.
0: I'm a nurse who doesn't want to be a nurse anymore.
1: And I'm a researcher who doesn't want to be in academia anymore.
0: So what do we want to be?
1: I always wanted to be a baker. Don't
0: listen to her. She's a writer.
1: Okay, we're writers and Borderline Genius is a podcast for writers.
0: Because the world needs another one of those.
1: But this one's different. It's Borderline Genius because he's borderline.
0: And she's a genius.
1: I'm not really a genius. Whatever.
0: Join us as we discuss what we love and hate about writing, writers, writing community, and everything else.
1: It's Borderline Genius.
0: Welcome to the Borderline Genius Podcast. Uh, Today Mm -hmm. is our first day back in probably about three weeks. Uh, recently, Ioana, you took a trip to Greece for two weeks.
1: I took a holiday!
0: And somehow hurt yourself.
1: Oh my god, I hurt <laughs> myself. Yeah, more than once. Like, yeah. I have a sprained finger and a sprained like, foot, but it's, it's, both of those are almost okay now again.
0: I get, a, I get a video message late one night, I think it was late, I don't remember what time it was, and she's like, I know you're not an ER nurse, but my foot, it's this and that, and what do I do?
1: Oh, you helped a lot. So uh, I went well. to the ER and we got an X ray and it was fine. And they said, you know, this was after our big hikes. So um like it wasn't very critical for my food to be absolutely okay. So it was after the big hikes. And um we went to the ER X rays. It wasn't and nothing was broken. It hurt a lot though. So I we were like every day in a different hotel, right? So I couldn't really rest it, I couldn't really ice it, I couldn't do anything. So I just took ibuprofen for one and a half weeks, and continuing with my vacation, and then came home mm-hmm. after ten days, <laughs> and it wasn't much better, of course, because I hadn't rested it. I mean, how's it?
0: How's it doing now that you're resting?
1: Now it's it's much better. I mean, I, I sit like once every day, not more than that, and I haven't been taking in the past two days, and it, it's better. Like I think it's gonna be fine until Monday. And I didn't go to my dancing classes this week. Like, I was, I was, like, after I was really bad (laughs) during the holiday, I was really good now. Like, Mm -hmm. I even hiked on Santorini, like, at precarious places again. So, you know.
0: know. How did this, so how did this writing trip refresh your writing life, do you think?
1: No idea. Like, I haven't started writing again. Mm -hmm. But I did finish a short story for our upcoming erotic anthology. Mm hmm. Which is going to be like. Um...
0: So you must have done some writing then.
1: So I did like a, a thousand words of writing this whole week. That was it. Um, yeah. But I don't know. Like, the thing is, it kind of became clear to me in this trip how much my my writing has been influenced by living different civilizations, basically, and yeah, um, knowing people from everywhere and adjusting to everybody's mentality right because that's what i've been doing for many many years Mm -hmm. and um yeah it's um it's an interesting exercise for for everybody who's trying to write from somebody else's point of view
0: yeah
1: Um, and i'm thinking now i've been an introvert all my life but um i'm thinking now it's so useful it has been so useful for me to actually talk and try to understand people from, you know, the U.S. of course,
0: <laughs>
1: and then, and then, you know, India, England, Australia. Right. Um, and 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 the Middle East and, and Turkey and Italy, of course, my country, Greece, um, Nordic countries, all these places. Um, yeah, I was thinking as a writer, you probably have to, to go out there right and just start talking to to many different people from many different backgrounds and try to get in in their head see how they're thinking because when I was in Greece I noticed that I reverted sometimes to a previous self Uh and you know I was there with my friend Tyler and I'm usually very very careful in Germany you know I I will be standing at the red you know pedestrian light and there will be no cars, and Tyler will, will be making fun of me. Like, just, just you know, cross the street already. There's nobody here. Like, it's like, right. <laughs> the street is empty. And if I'm in Greece, the uh, uh, cars will be coming, and I will still, you know, dodge cars and cross the street anyway, even though cars are coming. Like, it's a completely different way of behavior. <laughs> and I'm, like, I'm noticing in myself that, that I just revert to, to different kinds of behavior according to the place I'm in, which is rather interesting. So, yeah, this is, like, a small part of you know um being able to understand and exist in different cultures which i found rather interesting
0: and you think that adds to your writing process, oh sure i mean
1: probably. i wrote a, i wrote a, i wrote a, a british guy right in my
0: mm-hmm.
1: in my book for example and um you know dario who's a british guy um he 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 said it was you know g- g- well done so i i believe him <laughs> 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 So yeah, I mean, I think the best writers have this quality, right? They can understand and get inside different points of view.
0: Yeah, it's really people, tricky, isn't it? It's it's yes, funny, but
1: also of people whom they don't agree with. You know what I mean? They can right. understand. They can understand the reasoning and the logic. Well, no, it's it.
0: interesting that you say that because you've been, um, you've been. Uh... You've been uh, guilty pleasure reading Terry Brooks, or not Terry Brooks? Mm-hmm. Right? Not, no, not Terry Brooks. Who's the other one? Um, who's the uh, good kind? You've been you've been trashing mm-hmm. good mm-hmm. kind, haven't you? Yeah, and Terry,
1: and Terry Brooks, both of them, right? But good
0: kind, <laughs> good kind, I've avoided because I know that he's a Randian, and I've been told that his philosophy gets into his books in a way that is rather. What is he? He's a Randian objectivist.
1: What I have no idea what that is. You've never heard understand.
0: of Ayn? You've never heard of Ayn Rand?
1: Oh yeah, I've heard about Iron Man. There you go. I didn't know there was a, a movement.
0: Oh yeah, no, no, no. Selfishness is the highest goal, you know, yeah, all that kind of stuff. Mm. And I've heard that that he he has a lot of that in his uh, in his work, and so I've kind of avoided it for that reason because I. um
1: And yeah. The reasoning behind his characters' actions is some. Sometimes, to me, I go like, "Huh," like that doesn't make sense to me. But I mean, it's yeah. fun. It's a different. Like, it's yeah. they are his characters. It's, it's a fantasy world.
0: Yeah. Uh, I just think there's an artful way to do politics, and there's an inartful way to do politics, and I think the way he does it is not so artful. I've seen a little bit of it in um, – uh, who's the guy who wrote Ender's Game? Orson Scott Card. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, he's famously um, um, anti-LGBT.
1: Mm-hmm. Okay.
0: Uh, and he's a conservative and i've seen i've seen some stuff come up in some of his other books that are non fantasy related where you see it, but I never really thought that I, he was like it's obvious that he believes in his view, but he doesn't only occasionally does it seem like he's really creating a straw man argument for the other side i mean like mm-hmm. i think I think one of the funniest things about it was that there's this idea that these um ecological terrorists are are causing all this stuff, and I'm thinking on what planet do you think that ecological minded people have all of this money that they have this big organism? You know what I mean? It just doesn't make any sense mm-hmm. to me. It's like, that's, it's an interesting window into how people's minds work. Uh, something that I've noticed is that w- we, you know, working on, uh, I've done a little bit of some manual labor here, some, you know, roofing and a little bit of drywall mm-hmm. and stuff. And, um, mm-hmm. it's interesting catching conversations of, of people and how they talk about things and how they approach things. And, um, definitely some of that's probably going to make its way into my, um, into my future work mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. you know um one of the novels i'm working on now uh, very working class um and not always you know not always on the better or more well-considered yeah. part of that yeah
1: yeah i don't know i mean i think as a writer it's good to be able to you know support um different points of view right like because this is what your characters really doing it would be boring if Everything you wrote had, you know, the same point of view, right?
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that what I'm writing right now is quite a bit different, but, mm. you know, I still haven't gotten to the short story that I want to write for the anthology yet, which mm-hmm. I really need to get moving on. I'm trying to increase my, my, hour, my, my daily word count, but I got kind of derailed by three days of hard labor last week, and then mm-hmm. I wanted to catch up. I felt like I'd kind of um, been away from my editing clients a little bit too long. So I wanted to kind of uh, catch up with them, you know, and try to get them ahead. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I had a day last week where I had 3,000 words. Not last week. Wow. week maybe That's last week lot. and the week before, yeah. And then, like, three days ago I had 2,000 words. Yesterday I had 1,000 words. I'm trying to get to 1,000 words a day at least. But, mm. um, yeah, it's interesting. I'm also in a critique group um, with some um, some folks. And we'll see how that goes. Uh, you know, I prefer Scribophile, but... Uh, up until recently I haven't had much time for critique it
1: hasn't so. worked for me that well I have to say mm. because, yeah. because I write weird stuff you know
0: <laughs> yeah
1: yeah. And people are like wow this is weird this doesn't have a plot I'm like yeah it doesn't have a plot so what's your point <laughs> like, yeah
0: yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Mm. for me trying to nail genre it helped and like I said I learned a lot yeah. really quickly mm-hmm. over the course of like a year or so about basic writing stuff basic fundamental mm-hmm. mm. mechanics and style um but it's interesting. This is more of a focus on storytelling, which is something that I'm trying mm. to get better and better at because it's it is definitely you know one of the weaknesses that I've noticed in my writing is that I'm not a world builder, right? So um, I tend to under describe.
1: Sli- slightly different though, like. So- Storytelling is a bit different from world, world building.
0: I don't think so. No, because I, I think it's still part of the devu- developmental process. It's not, um, yeah, line yeah. And, it's not line and style. So to me, I think definitely world building is part of the storytelling. How to do enough of it that you create a vital and uh, alive and world mm. um, definitely really affects uh, the storytelling element. Not so much the line and style. Not so much the copy or yeah. the... Proofing, it's it's how much of this gets in and how much of it doesn't. And so I have tended to under describe um and since I'm writing about a bespoke world and I'm writing about a kind of future world, I, I really need mm. to I've added in a few little extra pieces of flavor here and there to make it people realize some of the small ways it's different than where we are now. Um Yeah. But I've been trying to use the same thing with you know, different experiences with different people, um to try to Yeah. Get at something essential about characters. You know, um, mm. it's funny well, too because some people just naturally have a knack for it. They really. Uh, one of my critique partners is very good at world building, but did not doesn't like. You know, there's. Miss, there's are some missing elements in other places too. You know, mm. so. Um, but the world building is definitely there, and I'm like, oh, okay. So I kind of took some some tips from that. Like I said, I've only really added mm-hmm. a little bit to what I'm currently working on, but.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I've changed a little bit. Um um my pov <laughs> let's say mm-hmm. in the things i've been writing lately okay i write erotic stuff right so yeah um, because of the commission stories yeah and because of um being in contact um in the past couple of years with people who have um different preferences or different ideas o- o- on what is you know not how sexual relationships are or should be or right you know what is enjoyable um Not only in the sense of, you know, what do they actually like in bed, but also how do you get into a sexual relationship, right? Like some people um, like me only Mm. react to to brains, for example, or some people react to other stuff. So I've been um, going into this exercise of making my erotica more brainy Uh or more shallow. Okay. Or thinking how it would be if uh, somebody was purely um attracted by bodies, for example, which does never happens with me, like never ever. Like bodies to me are just like, I don't know, seeing an apple, right? Like it's it's an apple or it's a body. It doesn't do anything for me. Oh. Um That's interesting. Yeah. Well, it does do something for me if I am attracted to the person as a person, as a brain, right? But up until that point, it's just an object that has a shape that doesn't interest me at all.
0: Hmm.
1: Like you can show me the best, like the the best looking man in the world, and I will be completely cold to to him because nothing happens to me without you know that 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 brain interaction, right?
0: Right. Mm,
1: but I've been trying to get into into other points of view while writing because this was required by the people who pay me to write commission stories uh-huh. mm. and it's, it's an interesting exercise right because it's something that you can't don't understand yourself but um you can have it described to you by other people and that's a bit of the of, a, of the same thing right as um meeting somebody from a different country who understands things a little bit rif- differently from you it, it's it's similar so this can is, you
0: can you get into it inside out like that well, Are you able mm-hmm. to, like, that's what I'm saying is like, so for me, it's very difficult. But it's it's getting easier now. Um, mm-hmm. But trying to access somebody who has a completely different point of view, I am, I like, for my current character that I'm writing now, he's uh, much more conservative than I am. Um, mm-hmm. And, but I wonder, like, I don't know if I can consciously do it that well. I wonder how writing... I think the big thing that you have to do is just try to make sure that if you write somebody that comes from a different point of view from you, especially if it's one that's uh, polarizingly different, that Mm. you don't that you give it enough that you don't just create a straw man or a stick Mm -hmm, figure mm -hmm, mm -hmm. that you can bash. You know what I mean? That you can bash because a lot of people like to do that. You know, like. um, No, I never do that. (laughs) Well, no, but I I think that's a sign of, of. Immature storytelling when I see that.
1: Um, so in in book three, oh mm-hmm. no, not book three. In the prequel, actually, it's the third book I'm writing, but it's the prequel of the of my series. Mm-hmm. There is a guy who's who's an American who is financially conservative, mm-hmm. but you know, more like he's he's not an he's not liberal, but he's like more towards the middle when it comes to his other ideas.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And, um, yeah, it's interesting to to figure out his opinions and how he interacts with my character, my female Mm -hmm. character, Stella, who's like a staunch feminist, right? Mm -hmm. And how she adjusts her behavior, but not her point of view, to just be able to coexist with him. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: I mean, she has her ideas, but she's like, I won't bother not trying to educate this person, right? He's a grown man. He won't be educated. So she just, you know, swallows it down because she has a purpose in her interaction with this man. And... Mm -hmm. Yeah, this is, like, I'm also trying to present him in a positive light because he's doing good things eventually for her Um, mm-hmm. in the book. Like, spoilers, a lot of the place. <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, this is what you do, right? You just try to get into the mind of somebody who's radically different from you or maybe not radically, but, but different from you. And also try to bring across that, um, like, everybody has has their good qualities right and everybody can be nice and and polite and have you know genuine feelings feelings and be a genuinely ni- nice person even though their ideology might be different from yours so yeah i'm, I'm trying to do this and i think i'm o- i've only been able to to do this because while i came from a from a very you know, ideologically restricted environment and my parents were rather conservative, I have uh, gone out into the world and met so many different people with so many different ideas that I've learned to question pretty much everything, right? Like when I speak to my to my Indian friend, I can't Mm -hmm. even tell her, look, this is like a song by Mozart. She doesn't know who Mozart is. Like she, she doesn't know the things that we have grown up with since we were children, she doesn't, hasn't experienced Christmas, you know, she doesn't like, you have to really start from zero with her, which is so refreshing, right? Because you see that all this culture we've, we've grown up in and we think it's our everything. It's not really (laughs) everything, (laughs) right? Like there are billions of people who know nothing about it. And we just deceive ourselves to, to feel that it's like ecumenical when it's not.
0: Well, it's interesting, you know, social class does that too, um, mm. and economic class. I, I, this is something I posted on Twitter recently where I did a poll actually on Twitter. And mm-hmm. uh, for, for, to me, you know, um, parents reading bef- to their children before bed was kind of like one of those mm-hmm. things. It's one of those television things that doesn't really happen very often that like, you know, it's it's a kind of a fantasy kind of like – Separate beds were in the fifties and sixties for TV. You know what I mean? I didn't really think it was a thing, and so I was kind of astonished to find out that a lot I, of people. Actually I thought took everybody
1: TV. reads to their kids. To be yeah, honest. no, because I, I don't and, remember my my parents reading to me. To be very, to be very honest, I really don't remember my parents reading to me at yeah. all. But I do remember at some point sitting, um, on my in my aunt's lap, and she she was reading to me, and I knew the book by heart, which means I had, you know, I had heard this book a lot. So somebody must have been reading to me. But mm-hmm. you know, you're so young, that maybe you don't remember. And I really don't remember. No,
0: I checked with my mom and she said, No, they didn't read to us. She was too busy doing, working. She was too busy working three jobs. And my dad was dyslexic. I mean, yeah. And alcoholic. yeah so
1: social classes, you say. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. So, you know, definitely very different experiences. And I think they're experiences that we think everybody has it. Not everybody does. So
1: mm. Oh, yeah, um, I've confronted people about that a lot. Like I had a friend who
0: mm-hmm.
1: said to me, I, I was trying to tell her that if she had m- money problems, she shouldn't be getting her waxings, right? And she was like, "What are you talking about? Everybody gets waxings." And I was like, "Nah, <laughs>
0: not what?
1: everybody goes to this waxings, like to wax your hair off, like
0: wax, okay, wax."
1: Mm. So uh, let's right. let's do this again. Mm-hmm. Mm. So yeah, where was I? Thrown off by my, my, by my bad accent.
0: Something about waxing.
1: Waxing, yeah, waxing. I have turned the American way waxing. Just open the lips, waxing. Anyway, um, yeah. And she was like, "No, nah, everybody does it." And it was like, "No." And then you know, some weeks later, we talked again. She was like, "I asked my friend, and, and you're right. Like, not everybody does this." And I was uh-huh. like, "Duh." <laughs> of course. Well, how, like,
0: how, how old is your friend? How old is she?
1: I mean. I, Back then she we were less like, something like nineteen, right? But
0: oh,
1: yeah. um you could see that she hadn't experienced very much, even though she went to university, and when you go to university in Greece, you meet people from all social classes, right? Because mm-hmm. everybody goes to the same university, everything is, is everything is public, so everybody goes to the same place. Mm. So you get to meet like the rich kids and the poor kids, right? Mm-hmm. Um and actually more of the poor kids because the rich kids can also go abroad to university and the poor ones can't so they they mm-hmm. you know bust their asses to go to the public university so she she didn't she wasn't getting that
0: yeah at all yeah it's interesting you know uh, something else cultural stuff you know like here it's not unusual for a working class person to just drink four five six beers after a work day mm. that's just normal um, and I, I mean, remember I live in
1: Germany so I don't think it's 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 a like Well Yeah,
0: I think but,
1: everybody drinks beer here
0: but yeah. Yeah. Kind of no, but it's interesting because like um I remember you know I went, when I was in Utah you know you'd ask people and if they if they wanted us to do an intervention if somebody ever drank you know if they frequently drink more than 3 drinks. Hmm. And I'm like if you go back to where I'm from that's every man of a certain age in a certain job kind they all drink. Well, it also depends, right?
1: Like how big the beers are, and how big of a man you are, and how used you are mm-hmm. to it, and how much muscle mass you have. Like it's yeah, it's many. It's very possible that manual workers can drink five beers and and you know not feel it very much, right? Right,
0: right. Mm-hmm. But that it's a habit, that it's something that they just kind of just, it's just something that mm. everybody, and my dad did it. My dad was an alcoholic though, but like, you know, and I guess you could say a lot of them were alcoholics, but I don't, I think they're so much more functional than what you would think of when you think of an alcoholic or a, they're not really waste or anything like that, but it's, it's cultural. It's just kind of a thing. I, you know, I was surprised that when I was in Madison, we had the Epic, I think we had Epic software and it was so interesting that they still had the, the, the um, they still had the question formulated that way. And I thought, you know, we are in Wisconsin. It's one of the heaviest drinking states in the in the union. Yeah. I mean, so many people are going to fail this. You mm. know what I mean? Like they're gonna, they that that you know. I don't know if they're really open to the idea of getting uh, uh, help with their drinking. You know, smoking is more universally considered uh, negative now. So yeah,
1: it, usually, it wasn't like that thirty years ago. It's it's mm-hmm. it's a thing that has happened. Recently, right? Yeah,
0: yeah. I'd say over the course of even the last like 10 years, it's gotten a lot more Mm. uh, uh, negative Mm. um, attention and press. But um, yeah, social class, regions, all that kind of stuff. It's that, you know, I don't have as broad experience with you because it's all been in the United States, but I've traveled all over this country and Mm. definitely people do things differently depending on where you are. Just different expectations. And
1: also, you know, different educational levels. Um, Mm. Like I've met, most of the people I've met are. You know, have PhDs. You know, mm-hmm. so again, my I'm limited in in that sense, right? So
0: mm-hmm.
1: it always helps to to meet to meet different people who who do who are in different lines of work, right? To to see yeah. how their experiences and their and their existence is. And as a writer, you kind of have to, right? You have you just yeah. kind of have to go out and speak to people and. Try to really under, not not just speak, you know, um, superficially, but try to really understand how their existence is and what they aspire to. Right. Right. I think this is quite important.
0: Right. I think that if you try to write a, if you try to write somebody from a, um, a different experience from you and give them the same goals you have, it's going to be kind of a weird mismatch. You know? Yeah. One thing astray.
1: that one thing that I notice is that pretty much nobody does write scientists correctly, like nobody. Right!
0: Like, they right. don't know
1: how science works, like nope. nobody knows how science works. The only person whose book I read who actually interviewed a bunch of scientists and actually did it right was Frank Schätzing. He's a German writer who oh, okay. wrote uh, The Swarm, Okay. which is an amazing book, by the way. I read okay. it in German, but, but uh, an English translation also exists. The Swarm, okay. amazing, amazing sci-fi, sci-fi really. Yeah. Is it about
0: nanites? Is it about
1: nanotechnology? What's it about? No, it's not about nanotechnology. I mean, oh. you'll see. It's about ah, I, I don't want to give it away. It's, it's just okay. amazing. Like the way it builds is just just incredible, right? And it's he just you know, this guy is an acclaimed author, right? So he had uh-huh. the time and he had the time and the means to just go to the scientific institutes he mentions in the book and actually interview everybody, you know, uh-huh. and and figure out exactly how science works and how they go about their work and how their labs are and what exactly they do in them so it was amazing it was, it was really good but you know I think there are many professions which most writers don't get right like I oh know my about God. science be- because I was trained as a scientist but yeah. I'm sure that you know, medicine is like that. And oh my trauma, God, yes. Especially trauma is like that. Like, people get knocked out all the time in books, you know, and have and sustain horrible injuries, which would incapacitate. Like, I had like a oh, little a spread in my foot and I was incapacitated for two weeks. <laughs> like, and people just, you know, get slashes by, by sores and, you know, they just, yes. you know, they're like, oh, it's fine. It's just a little slash. Like, I just, just walk along, you know, then. and things like that. Right. Um, and other yeah. stuff like, all of us who write billionaires, we have no idea how fucking billionaires, you know, live. So we just—I mm-hmm. mean, that's that's less dangerous because there are so few of them that who who will ever notice, right? Like, who cares? <laughs> so yeah, right. Like, <laughs> I, I can
0: I can just see a billionaire crying in his in his into his yeah into his stacks of hundred dollar bills, saying they never get my lifestyle right. <laughs> yes, um, so this is never going to happen. I, so this I is fine. That happens,
1: yeah. <laughs> so that's fine. We can write them like we want, right? Like that's right. A, that's a different thing. But yeah, I mean it's definitely true for, for many professions, I'm sure. Yeah. But scientists are incredibly badly uh, portrayed in in books like pretty right. much almost every book. Yeah.
0: Like what science is, you mean, right? Mm? You mean like what science is? It's kind of like the, know, old, how, the how it the, works. The, how yeah. how the
1: process works. Like how the process of science works.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: It's and how and how the logistics of it um is and how so what so now that i have you uh,
0: now that i have you on the couch yeah what what tell me some things that you think uh people get wrong that you would that would be different
1: inside you know we could do a whole
0: episode we could do a whole episode on this i just realized we could could oh my god
1: i could try to just we could do that gather some some to to collect my thoughts yeah I, I will need some time, though, right? I will oh, have yes. to remember. I will have to remember whatever I've read that that's wrong, and, and it's a lot. <laughs> so, yeah, <laughs> I, I I can do that. Yeah, mm-hmm. I can do that. But yeah, it's, it's like it's it's going to be boring, though, because it's a bit more rigorous uh, and scientific than the other things we talk about. <laughs> so maybe no, no, I think that boring. you should. Well, just I think because I, science I, is incredibly boring when I know you do that. it, right? No, no, like I know science that. is one of the most boring things ever. You work for years in a small subset, a subfield yeah. of a small subfield calculating the smallest and most significant stuff and it's the same thing over and over again and it's boring until you yep. get you know some result but then most of it is like not like you see okay this I, I is why i now. think
0: people like i think this is why i think people like steampunk and those kind of like those eras because that was back at a time when knowledge you know you could there were there were these big breaks coming more rapidly because there were mm-hmm. people that there was less to know you know, mm-hmm. they, they've just now been doing studies about, you know, they're doing another Hadron Collider, uh, uh, um, whatever it's called. I think it's called Hadron Collider. The Hadron Collider experiments, you know, and, and they just mm-hmm. recently found out that neutrons have mass. Or that. Neutrons like,
1: always had mass. Neutrinos, you mean?
0: Neutrinos, maybe. Yeah, neutrinos. I'm sorry. I mean, neutrinos the,
1: have had a mass for at least 25 years. Come on, Chet. Neutrinos? <laughs> yes, neutrinos, well, maybe 20 years. But neutrinos have had mass for, for many years now. We, oh. we knew that.
0: I thought there was something the, halidron, uh, the, the, the the collider discovered recently. Well, yeah, it's,
1: it's recent in, in scientific, like, it's recent in the, in the sense of scientific timescales, right? But it's not as recent as... as Let me see.
0: The, between us do have mass, new, we know that. The new kind of matter, which was in 2014, which mm-hmm. was the dark matter. And they're trying to do more experiments for that too. But I just think about all of the setup is probably the most of the work, right? Setting Mm -hmm. up the experiment so that it captures the right data at the right time.
1: Years and years and years of work, yes. By by thousands of people.
0: Right, yeah. and And so probably what's interesting about science is not any one person's individual no, thing but it's the coordination never, it's
1: very rarely anyone like einstein has, the, ruined, has ruined the game for everybody because now everybody thinks that somebody's yeah. going to sit down and write yeah. stuff that's not how it works people einstein was yeah. one newton was one guy einstein was one guy and yeah. also and also these people didn't work in a vacuum right like the,
0: the, right. The,
1: right right we can talk about all of this right like this is i think one that's of the funny we can talk
0: about well you know they just discovered that they just finally found a uh superconductor Ah. That 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 they can get it to conduct at sixty degrees, uh, just below sixty degrees Fahrenheit, which is I can't remember what that is in Celsius.
1: I have no idea what this is. Like I have no. Like give me, give me like physics units. Like nobody works in these units in physics. Give me, give me system international system units.
0: I don't know. Like in physics we work in. Also,
1: American scientists use the international system because this is what we use.
0: Right, room temperature, uh, super collider. Superconductor. I mean, 60 sorry, sixty
1: Fahrenheit in Kelvin. Okay.
0: Yep. And so, um, but they they have to have a massive like, amount of, of zig- pressure. Zig-
1: like, yeah, it's it's like more than it's like ten degrees. Uh, no, fifteen degrees. No, uh, no it's warmer than
0: that. Oh, in Celsius. Celsius.
1: Maybe.
0: <laughs> oh. Yeah, but I don't use the alpha <laughs> units. Twenty to twenty-five uh, okay, that, that is, is room temperature. It's less than that. It's um. Um.
1: It's 15 degrees Celsius, more or less, which is very, very warm for a superconductor. Like right! It's, incri- it's incredibly right. warm. Right. Like, right. it's insanely warm.
0: Yeah. And <laughs> That's so, um, but it, ha- it has to be under, like, I can't remember what the name of the unit is for pressure. It's under a credible amount of pressure. Like, um, yeah. some
1: pascals, maybe?
0: Yes, but I think it's called something more than just a pascal. It's like a something pascal, like a pascal mm-hmm. or a something cat. Like, I,
1: I, I, yeah, I. That's Let me a bit too much, but
0: see. Yes. Yeah, it's, it's, uh, yeah. So
1: mega. I I wouldn't expect. I don't know. Let's see. I will. I will. So it's interesting.
0: Now they're now. So now that they know that they've got that, they're going to try to f- play around with it to try to figure out. Hydrogen is like the major component of this that makes this happen, <gasps> because it wants to bond with everything. I think that's part of that has something. I don't know enough about this. I'm dangerous mm-hmm. with this, but it's really interesting because now they can play with the they might be getting able to get closer to room pressure. And then then you can some really crazy shit happens. Because uh, you know, I'm sure everybody's changed the channel or, or like fallen asleep. Yeah, now, yeah. But like what's interesting about, about super, <laughs> What's interesting about superconductors is that there's no resistance at all, and that's just amazing. Yeah. That's like wow. There's
1: very little resistance, yeah. Yeah. Like in- mm-hmm. insignificant.
0: Yes. Anyway, so yeah, it's science is more about the coordination of all these things. I have no idea
1: what we were talking about. Like
0: we <laughs> were talking about how science is inaccurately portrayed. in
1: yeah, yeah, I could, I could talk about that for ages. Yeah, it's it's yeah. a bit. I'm I'm not really. I don't even consider myself a real scientist now because just I left very happily. Mm-hmm. Some and I realized that science was never for me. Like even though I love it, I it was mm-hmm. never really my thing. You know.
0: As opposed to writing, which is like as opposed long. to writing,
1: which is very obviously my thing. Like, yeah. I don't care if I do it well or badly. Like it's my thing, obviously. <laughs>
0: um.
1: So yeah, like I, it's it's so much my thing that I, like, literally don't care how I'm doing. <laughs> right? Like, it's it's yeah, it's very obvious. Anyway, I think this was obvious to everybody. Like when I tell people that who haven't seen me in, in years. Um, mm-hmm like that I'm writing now they were like oh yeah you were always good at that I was like yes what didn't you tell me before I "I, I should I could have known this (laughs) you know it it would have helped me (laughs) but no 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 I I don't regret anything this this whole experience in science and as I said meeting many people from different backgrounds and interacting with them and working with them in scientific environments made me so rich in experience that I could just write books forever now right
0: that reminds me of something too like um uh, The anthology we were all in, um, in more time. time. I I started reading Zev Good. He he did a Mm. little promo for his book. It's it's on sale. I think it was yesterday. It went on sale for two ninety nine. But I bought it when it was. I bought it at like. I just bought it three or four days. I said okay. I I want to support somebody who's writing I like. Mm -hmm. So I started reading it, and I'm like really impressed. It's it's very um, very literary, but it's just it's it's so funny because he's he he doesn't use any sort of ornate language, but he focuses Mm. on the things that are most important, and it's really. Uh, but that, that happens. I really though, yeah? like it
1: with many yeah. very good writers. Like
0: mm-hmm. literary yeah. doesn't
1: mean that you have you know oh, yes. a large vo- vocabulary. It means different right. things, right? Like I don't have a I I don't have the vocabulary of, of an native speaker, for example. Oh. I still claim I write literary. So
0: yeah. Oh right, no, but that's not even what I mean. What I mean is like what do you mean? It's not noticeably stripped down. It's not noticeably ornate. It doesn't mm-hmm. draw attention to itself. But yeah. mm-hmm. the people are. Mm -hmm. they're like your book they're so real you could reach out and touch them they're Mm -hmm. really Mm -hmm. quite quite fun it's a it's one
1: compliment by the way
0: yeah no it's one of those books where you where you catch yourself reading it when you should be doing something else like oh i'm gonna read a section of this i gotta go do something else you're like no i'm just gonna keep reading and it doesn't have dragons and lasers and and uh space or you know it's quite anyway i just wanted to shout him out zevgood um he's on twitter um Good stuff. He's an anthology, his book too.
1: yes. He's in our
0: anthology. He writes a very different, much more postmodern story in the anthology than what his novel is. So it's kind of mm-hmm. interesting to see that difference too. Yeah. But I'm really yeah. excited. I'm like, I bet you I could read novels by everybody in that anthology and find something to like in most of them. But I was really surprised at how much I really liked the entire book. Like, mm-hmm. I'm going to keep mm-hmm. reading it. I started shouting it out. He said, oh my God, did you read it already? He said, no. I said, I, I, I don't read that fast. But I said, I've already started, you know, telling mm-hmm. people about it because mm-hmm. I'm that impressed. Okay. Mm-hmm. okay. I just love being exposed to the to, to writers that I can like wholeheartedly enjoy because I always feel like I can learn something like that. I feel like I can study the way that he writes, and I can't copy it. I can't duplicate it. But boy, howdy, can I see what he focuses on as important hmm. and look at it and go, oh mm-hmm. yeah? Or you know, um, it's so much fun to do that to just write to read somebody who writes in a completely different style but writes well, and then see what it is their values are, like what's being expressed here about who they are that only they yeah. can do probably you know
1: mm-hmm. yeah and this is something i want to talk well,
0: to yeah. i want to talk to john uh for that reason too because even though he writes genre fiction and he writes crime thrillers now um boy i tell you he's got a literary bent and he's got a just a really thoughtful approach to the world
1: mm-hmm. i have started reading um the night manager again so i started uh-huh. reading that after my breakdown and my brain wasn't there yeah, and now I was reading it, and it's exactly as you described. Something, yeah. It's so so. Like <laughs> I was reading the it on on my holiday, and yeah. like just like I couldn't I couldn't leave Tyler alone. I was like, oh my god, every sentence. Uh, like that's how, how can would... every like how can every sentence have three different meanings and and yeah. three different levels? And oh god, I mean, there's one sentence like I I want to tattoo this on my on my on myself, right? Like. Hmm. He describes how um, <clears throat> John, Jonathan, what's his name, um, so the main character. i never read the book. You should read that book. Like, <laughs> yeah. if you manage, because I, I just reread pages, right? Like, I read it and reread it. But like, I'm never going to finish this book because it's just so awesome that I just can't let go of, of the sentences, right? Like, yeah. I can't let go of the sentence and go to the next yeah. sentence. Like, I, I, I find myself, you know, going back. Where was that sentence? Like, three pages ago, let's read let's it again. Anyway, so like the main character has had very traumatic event- events in his life and he's been a soldier and he's killed people. And when somebody tries to recruit him to to um, um, finally be able to catch and arrest this um, very bad rich guy, um, uh-huh. Richard Roper, um, like he interviews um, our main character. And, you know, when, when the main character who's like a British guy, very polite, remembers his his traumatic past. He just shuts down, right? Like British people do. And Le Carré describes this as rigid ease and deafening understatement, which is like the most amazing phrase ever. <laughs> like, especially if you know British people like that, like the rigid ease and the deafening understatement is just... Like, describes many people in my life as well. Yeah. <laughs> it was like, if I remember I'm ever going to get a tattoo, this is what I'm getting at a tattoo. Like rigid, <laughs> rigid, rigid. Ease. Like, it doesn't describe me at all. There's no rigid ease and deafening understatement. I'll just state uh-huh. everything to your face. And there's no rigid ease. You know, oh, I'm either at right. ease or I'm just shouting at you, right? <laughs> but this, this describes so many people I know and love, like, including my husband and, and other uh-huh. people that I've met, that, yeah, it's it's... It's just an incredible sentence like an incredible phrase. It's not even a sentence, it's just a phrase. Well,
0: to be fair, somebody who 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 was who did have rigid ease and a deafening understatement probably wouldn't tattoo it on their body either.
1: Yes, that's what Tyler told me. It was like I was like, oh, this is this is a lot like you, and he's like, Yeah, like I would never get a tattoo and I never, this is, exactly because it's like the rigid yeah. ease and the deafening <laughs> understatement. So if you're if you it's like this is a joke we made, yeah, this is it's it's, it's like the same comment said, like exactly.
0: Yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> but hey, that's what's interesting about that is, hey, we just thought about that. Where you're like, okay, so obviously you have to think about that when you write another character. Another character wouldn't ever have that tattooed. Somebody like me, I think I told you this before, but I was going to write, I was going to have the word ennui. It's a French loan word. It's E N N U I. Tattooed on my on my abdomen, and like I said, I'll marry the first girl that laughs at the joke. And nobody get like very few people get it, but I'm like. But the joke is that most people that tattoo their stomach, it's agony, it's anger, it's thug, it's, it's brash, it's whatever. It's not, you know, listlessness or ennui. <laughs> that would be a very strange thing to have, as a, like an old English abdominal tattoo. So... <laughs> <laughs> right yeah but that's a, a long word, way to go for a joke. Like I, I, I oh the i love it i love it i love it. well one of my my the therapist it never that happens just, to me but <laughs> the, the, the therapist that the therapist that diagnosed me i yeah. used it in an email and she said and she was a phd and she's yeah. like i had to look that word up. i had no idea what it meant i'm like okay oh
1: my god how can Oops. she not anyway
0: i don't know well yeah yeah
1: yeah <laughs> interesting okay yeah
0: but uh yeah you wouldn't want to write a character that was like that and then give him a tattoo that would be
1: No no I I'm, I'm telling you, this is my tattoo like I want to tattoo yeah. it on me because I love this I love this <laughs> phrase just, I can't get over this phrase at all. It's, it's just there are incredible.
0: many phrases like that in so many that I just stopped writing them down because it was just... it's just...
1: If it's good enough, it, it will stay with me. But this is like top. Like this is John Le Carré. Nobody writes like John Le Carré. Like so I definitely need just, to
0: listen to it then. Yeah, read it. I mean,
1: this is like top of the top and you don't... Mm-hmm. I don't know if you want to listen to it or just read it because, again, I just read and reread the same pages. this is why i it will take me a long time to finish this book because just like he has a whole sentence of he, a whole page of sentence fragments
0: uh-huh yeah like i know modifiers and it's yeah. like
1: not only, no no it doesn't work it's uh-huh. incredibly good like yeah. it's like he takes the writing art to a whole different level where mere mortals just observe mm. and are in awe right like it's better than anything i've i've read and mm-hmm. i include like classics and stuff because it's just mm-hmm. so it has so many levels that you just the mind boggles right i don't know i just i just love this book and i haven't finished it yet because again i can't finish it it's very difficult to just <laughs> you know keep reading and not rereading the same things
0: well what i run into with gravity's rainbow is that it's de- it's incredibly difficult to unpack what he's saying every sentence is brilliant but yeah. like mm. what the fuck does this all mean together i mean not like Hegel, but like in just a very like he goes in these weird tangents uh, that are just... Mm. I don't know. You couldn't <laughs> do understand. it if you were trying to write. It, it wouldn't it wouldn't work as a genre novel, obviously, but yeah.
1: And and the, you other know. Thing that, yeah the other thing that, that makes me feel good about John Le Carré is that he wrote this book when he was 62, I think, or he published mm. it like, when he was 60 somewhere. So I'm like, yeah, like there's hope for everybody. Like I have another 20 years to hone my craft and maybe write something that's maybe 5% as good. <laughs> you know which would be adequate, like it would be enough for me. (laughs) Yeah. So, you know, you don't have to write your masterpieces when you're young because this is a misconception, right?
0: Yeah, I kind of feel bad. Well, bad's the wrong word. But I kind of worry about people that get an instant, you know, that write a novel and it's amazing right off the bat, because then you're like, oh, God, how do you live up to that? How do you? You
1: can't. That's not the problem, isn't it? Yeah, Mm. yeah. It's better to, to get better all the time. Yeah. It's the same for scientists, you know. If you have, if you made it, make a discovery when you're very young. You spend all your life trying to top that, and you mostly can't, and and it's mm-hmm. um, it's frustrating. Yeah. But sometimes it's it's you know, if you have your you, a good head on your shoulders. And I don't you know, think
0: I'm in any danger of ever getting into masterpiece territory. But I think um, I see my own like. Workmanlike craft kind of moving in a direction that mm. I like more than, than I used to, you know. And it's funny because I'm not writing in genres where it's requested, but I think that when I go to do literary work now, it will have been better served by the fact that, I'm, yeah. that I've been writing in genre. Sure. Because just, just, for, the so, practice yeah. of, just for the practice of, of forcing me to um, think about the considerations of the reader, like what, yes. what, what is the reader going to get from this that you have to do with genre, You know because you're thinking about a particular audience yeah Mm -hmm. so less less self-indulgent a little bit less masturbatory than it would have been
1: i don't know this you can do both right like it's very rare but again john le Carré writes thrillers Mm -hmm. and this is a thriller Mm -hmm. and it's more literary than the the most literary books i've ever read (laughs) like it's just so literary and you're thinking how does he do this how does he write a literary like fully literary thriller he Mm -hmm. does he did this so it is possible. I think. Mm. I only think it's just very, very in- incredibly rare to to do both at that level mm-hmm. at the same time. You know. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I, I, think,
1: I think so too. In the meanwhile, we've, we're talking about something completely different, but it's fine because. Yeah. That's why we do we chat.
0: Yeah, this is kind yeah. of like a a little bit more formless kind of uh, uh, conversation because it's the first time oh, we've been yeah. able to record in three weeks, I think. So
1: yeah
0: uh hopefully we can get up a few. We're looking at interviews with uh um uh, a few folks um some yes. of them we work with some of them you know um
1: and finally a bit more just, in my yeah. area, like a bit more erotic
0: huh yeah maybe I
1: can even get some more uh erotica people to mm-hmm. participate in the podcast let's see. oh
0: yeah, sure.
1: I would like that if I find anybody <laughs> <laughs> yeah
0: a lot of pen names.
1: Oh yes. Yeah. Also,
0: erotica is one of those things where it's kind of like a lot of it is really really bad, but the stuff that's really really good. Is oh my
1: really God! Good. Yes, like ninety-nine percent of all erotica is is, is really bad. Yeah. And then,
0: but the one percent that isn't is amazing in a way that it, yeah, yeah.
1: Yeah, and that that writer whom we might um, invite, he's really good. Oh, good. Mm. You should read yeah. his short story for that he wrote for our anthology. Yeah, We I are will. preparing an anthology, by the way. I don't know if we said that in erotic anthology. This was my idea, so I gave yeah. myself even more work because I'm obviously not busy enough.
0: Um, right. Yeah. Brainy erotica, though.
1: Yeah, it's brainy. It's, brain. it's very, very much interiority, very yeah. much, you know, um, going into the essence of things and into the feelings and into the psychological aspects of it, and not just, you know... Your sure. usual jerk off, you know. Thing, um, yeah, and and this guy whom we're going to invite, whose name I'm, go- I'm not going to say now, he did both. He did the erotic bit a hundred percent, and he did the interiority bit a hundred percent too. And he Good. has the craft as well, so I was very happy with his story.
0: Yeah, yeah, like, very
1: very happy. <laughs> yeah, awesome. uh, yeah, he did it. He did. It, he did great. Like my stories have more interiority, and they don't have the. Um, erotic like the erotic part that well developed right but his Uh story has both very done very well
0: yeah i look forward to
1: it yeah are you writing Uh, something
0: uh, i need to but i got to get in the right headspace for it
1: Mm. do you have an idea for a story
0: oh yeah i've told you about it uh weeks ago Mm
1: -hmm. yes but you know it was weeks ago and Mm -hmm. a really fully packed trip to greece uh happened Mm -hmm. like if i show you what i did. in the sixteen days, you'll be like, "Oh my god!" Like we did a lot, so my brain is, uh-huh. is not functioning very well. well.
0: I I do, and the only thing you said is, well, then I definitely want that story. In Yay! The, yeah. But um, Yay. yeah, it's a uh, it's hmm. in the future. It takes place in the future. People are incredibly hmm. long lived. Um, don't give so it away. Don't. I won't give it away. But that throws that kind of changes things a little bit. But
1: I was thinking I, I could like. Do like theme anthologies, like, or maybe genre mm-hmm. anthologies, like a sci-fi erotic anthology and a fantasy mm-hmm. erotic anthology. Because I was looking at the stories and I was thinking, you can't really throw all of it together. It's it's a weird bunch, right? Like there are the mm-hmm. interiority field stories that are like like real-world stories,
0: mm-hmm. and then
1: the sci-fi stories have a completely different feel, mm-hmm. and the fantasy stories are different again. So I was like, man. Maybe, maybe if I find enough people who can write stories and who can you know also who are also um, who are also open to input Yeah, you know so that they can a little bit
0: shape it. So
1: they yeah. can developmentally shape their stories a little bit. Mm-hmm. Like for example, there was one story where the author gave all the information at the beginning and there was no suspense for example mm-hmm. right and I would guide them to just release information in little bits until the whole information is is revealed to the reader towards the end. Yes. And it's not like I reveal information and we're just waiting for them to have sex, right? This yeah. Is the, 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 that, that, yes. Um,
0: That's so true. Good, I do see that sometimes. I, yeah. So it was
1: a good story, but I would like to guide that author to, you know, developmentally structure the story a little bit better because the idea is good and the craft is there. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah.
1: Um, so yeah, the things like that, like, I would like to, to do that. Let, let's see how far this takes me. <laughs> do you see me being a brand for erotic stuff, Chad? <laughs> maybe. Yeah, maybe. maybe. I,
0: I want to do all sort of literary Afyamore stuff. If we ended up doing that cooperative where it's, it's.
1: But my brand will be the erotic stuff, right? Like I, yeah, I will I be responsible for that because it's sure. my thing. It's my yeah, thing. Yeah, definitely. Is.
0: It definitely is. Yeah. Yeah. Like Mm -hmm. I see
1: myself, I envision myself um, editing the anthologies, for example. And of course, having my own books out. Yeah. And so on and so forth. Which will annoy some people if they stay with me for the next couple of books. Because some of the books I've planned have basically almost zero sex in them. (laughs) Which is like a bit off-brand. But this is is our role. This is is pee people. (laughs) This will be the challenge to make the people who loved the first books... Still love the, the rest of the books even though there's like a very little fucking in them.
0: <laughs> yeah. I would say that the fucking isn't the the heart of the novel anyway. I think it's I think it's what the the character growth that comes from it. Ah
1: uh, you say that and, and yet many people read this book to jerk off, so well, that's crazy. Or some people, not many people maybe. Mm-hmm. I don't
0: know. Well, Let's see. Yeah, I mean, it's all—it's also well, you success. know, for me, uh, yeah, for me, I'm not. Hmm. We'll see. I'm gonna try to write this erotic short, and we'll see if it. Mm. We'll see if it lands because I've okay. never written an erotic before, erotic story before. I'm well, prepared. you've
1: written scenes though, so I—I um, I, I, it's it's fine. Like it's we know it works.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've written scenes before for sure, mm. but yeah, I this would this one would have at least one or two scenes in it. Um. That would be sex but it's the stuff that glues it together that's got to be mm-hmm. that's that probably makes the anthology interesting it's not that the stuff that glues the sex together has to be as good as the mm-hmm. rest of it or it's not really yeah
1: yeah i agree yeah so so we wrap it up
0: yeah we can wrap it up it's a little bit of a short episode uh today oh uh, it's
1: fine come on
0: but i'm glad we had one out um it's been making me a little bit anxious and uh I will try to get the other two the two or three people that I've contacted and try to figure out what days work well. I might be doing some uh, manual labor next week. It's so, fine. We but I don't, I don't know why. Yeah. Yeah. Okay.
1: And always record again if we have an idea, but we'll see. I will also try to. We
0: need to do that science. We definitely need to do the writing science correctly. That
1: will be fun, yeah. That
0: will be fun yeah. for me. I will ask and, well, my scientist
1: and, friends. And I think because it'll be they helpful. they will have many ideas because mo- most of my scientist friends read sci fi. Uh-huh So I will have lots of input for that for from many people yeah so <laughs> it will be fun good. I can have input yeah mm-hmm. And I think mm-hmm. it'll
0: be helpful for writers too you know trying to get yeah,
1: into that. of course, how to write scientists because you know it's you know whoever writes sci-fi. yeah yeah. Okay mm-hmm. Good. So mm-hmm. yeah we'll see you next time.
0: That's an episode. See you guys next time. Uh, thank you for listening.